everybody, and welcome back to Game Dev's Quest, your once-weekly podcast, following two game dev scrubs into game devdom. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. And I'm Joe, also known as Zivix in the Discord. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. It's, it's, uh, it's a rarefied treat that we get one of our buddies in here to tell us about the games that they're working on. And part of the reason that we got Joe in here uh, is because he's launching a game Go ahead and tell us about it. My game is Bewilderbots. It is a puzzle game coming out on Steam and iOS and Android, as well as Itch. It's coming out on June 4th. It's a puzzle game where you're essentially trying to control a set of robots, get them into a set of teleporters. But the whole twist is that every single input will control all the robots at the same time, and each one moves based on the direction it's facing. Yeah, man. Uh, I've I have your game. I was playing it last night because I played it at, like about a month ago. Um, I think when you kind of first put it up on the Google Play Store, and I picked it back up last night and played it for like thirty minutes or something. It's super fun. Like it's very simple mechanics, but like some of those puzzles, even early on, like I haven't finished the first chapter, but early on is like, damn, this is tricky. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's it's tough. Yeah, it's very tough. How did you uh, get started making this game? Is it something you have been working on for a long time, or was it kind of out of a jam? Or how did you get going on it? Yeah, so it started with Global Game Jam 2018. The theme was transmission. So, a group of us got together, and I had pitched the idea of controlling multiple things at once, and that eventually led into this concept. So. Over that weekend, we made a game called Buddy System. There were about seven or eight of us, I think. And yeah, it went pretty well. Multiple people were saying they think that it would be cool to see an expanded version later on. Hope that somebody would go ahead and take the reins with that. So there were four of us that initially were talking about doing it. We met up once, and then I got to work. I spent about two weeks or so probably on it, and the rest of the people on the team were like, yeah, we haven't contributed anything, we don't have the time, so just, gotcha. just run with it. <laughs> yeah. So I ran. Nice. So did you have, like, did you start from scratch uh, out of yep. the... Oh, you did? Okay. But yeah, same, just because like... of the nature of how Global Game Jam is, I yeah. all of the code and everything can't be reused from what I understood based on the um the license oh okay so is it one of those things where once you submit they kind of own it or yeah i think oh really oh dang i've never done global game jam so that's news to me but or i don't i mean maybe it's not that they own it it's just that the way the code base and everything works you can't like reuse the code you can't reuse the art necessarily Okay. Um, it was it was a little fuzzy, so I just didn't want to chance things. I started from scratch, and also yeah. we originally made it in 2D, and the code was garbage, anyways. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> As Jam 
code goes. Yeah. Yes, as it does. <laughs> nice. So that was 2018. Have you you've been working on it since then, basically? Yeah. So I started it in February. I think around February 12th, and I've been working on it since with probably too many breaks in between. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had a couple like multi-month breaks, but. I've basically just been working on that. I've done a couple extra jams, and I've done a couple other like small projects, like a command line project um, where I did a turn-based game. Oh, cool. But, yeah, it was all really small stuff just to kind of like keep the creative juices flowing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always impressed. Like Whenever we have something interesting going on in the, the Discord, oftentimes it seems like you're sort of in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you're always, like, have all these new, like, ideas. I don't know. I just feel like you're one of the most enthusiastic people in the Discord about, like, your projects and, like, your ideas. So I, sometimes, honestly, like, I get a little bit jealous because I, like, I feel like I'm always kind of to the point where I'm slightly burned out. And then I see you, like, generating all these ideas that you're just, like, stoked on. So I'm like, damn it. How does he do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and then oh, plus, yeah. and then you look at Bewilderbots, and like, a it looks amazing. B the name is genius. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, one <laughs> thing that oh that I always wonder about puzzle games like this, and I don't know why I've never asked this. So I'm a, I'm just to ask you. Like I I love puzzle games. I love playing them, but I'm always intimidated by the idea of making a puzzle game because I'm not really that good at solving puzzles. And I always wondered, like, to make a game that has a lot of content that people want to buy and play, like, you got to put a lot of puzzles in there. Like, how hard is it to make that many puzzles? Well, it's it's really <laughs> hard. I mean, I'm not really great at puzzle games myself, I don't think. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it got rough at times, especially when you have 300 puzzles in the game, and that 9x9 grid size where you have up to 10 robots oh my God. is just brutal. Yeah. I recently was playing through all of the puzzles in the game, making sure that they're all sorted properly within their respective chapters. And the 9x9 nine nine puzzles, which are a set of 100 puzzles, took me 20 hours to beat. Oh, wow. my God. Yeah. The ones so that, that you made insane. yourself? <laughs> yeah, ones that I've solved. <laughs> I've made, I've solved multiple times. And it took me 20 hours to beat that set of 100 puzzles. Oh but my god. The five by five ones I can solve in maybe like thirty minutes. So yeah. I've gotten really good with the mechanic. It's just that those nine by nine puzzles are insane. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Like... yeah, I do think it's gonna be getting a lot easier though. Especially the launch version is gonna be a lot easier for people than the versions that I've played over the Yeah course of development. Yeah. Is is it one of those things where you kind of like just I don't know, brainstorm up a, a puzzle level and then you just kind of leave it in the game or is it like cuz you've done a bunch of playtesting yourself, you're like that puzzle's too hard, I'm going to tweak it a little bit. Um, yeah, it just kind of depends on what I'm going for, or what kind of mood I'm in. Because <laughs> I I built a level editor at the beginning of development. Okay. And I built that into the game so that when I deploy it on my phone, I can go ahead and edit puzzles on there. And then when I'm done, I can save it. I can upload it to a server on my desktop nice. and do all of that that way. That way, 
when I'm on my computer, I can focus on coding and development in that sense. Right. And then when I'm on the go, I can work on puzzles. So that's cool. That yep. was a huge boon in development, and I feel like I that bet. definitely helped a lot in making the 300 puzzles possible. Yeah. But as far as how I go about it, sometimes I'll just toss stuff in there, see what sticks, and just tweak it as it goes. It's very much an incremental, prototyping-based approach. And sometimes right. things just work. Other times I have a specific goal in mind where I want the player to do a specific type of thing or yeah, think in a certain way or feel a certain way to, I guess, solve it. Yeah. So well, it just kind of depends. So last night I was playing and there was a couple times where I was like really hoping that my... Because I think I only got up to three robots, but I was like hoping that I would have one level where all three robots would end up going into a teleporter at the same time. I don't yeah. know if you have anything like that, but like to set it up so that you have like nine robots and they all like do this sort of like spiral motion and they all go into the teleporter at the same time. I feel like that would just be like the most satisfying thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No, the, um, the puzzle that I tweeted out for screenshot Saturday last week, I think. Um, oh yeah. That's one of those ones that's just, it feels really satisfying because it's like a synchronized dance almost. Yeah. <laughs> like there's nice. just something about it that looks captivating to me. So yeah, I really like stuff like that. It just kind of can be very tricky to set up a puzzle to work that way. Cause if it does, it's typically too easy. Yeah. I'm so, looking yeah. at your, your screenshot. Yeah. I can see what you mean. That's exactly kind of what I was talking about. The way that they yeah. move around. <laughs> yeah, you don't have them all going in at once, but you typically, I think in every case except for one, you have two robots going in at the same time. Yeah. Nice. So, talk a little bit more about the tool you made, because that sounds really cool. I was, I was wondering yeah. if, like, because um, I don't know if you ever played the game that I put out for the last OMG Jam, Rock and Rolling Rocks. It's like a little puzzle game, too. And the puzzles, like, the way that I designed them was I just created JSON objects. And uh, I don't know, it, that was like how I developed the level. Is that sort of what your tool for building the level does is it exports like a JSON file or something? Not quite. I mean, it's kind of similar, I guess. So basically uh -huh. what happens is you start with a fresh level and that generates your grid. And then based on whatever grid size you want, um, mm -hmm. it'll go ahead and generate that for you. And then what will happen is you can tap on any cell and on the side it will pop up with the things that you can do. So if there's nothing on it, you can choose to add any sort of mechanic, whether that's you want to add a robot. If there is a robot there, you can choose to rotate it or destroy it. And you can do that for basically everything. Okay. And then what will happen is um, also, I guess, when you add a hazard, it will add walls all around it. Which, I guess that was just one of those things that just felt really good to get added. To have it automatically generate those walls. It's simple, but, I don't know, it felt like a bit of an accomplishment. Nice. Um, so that was cool. And basically when you save the level, it goes through and it serializes all of the data into binary. Because I wanted it to be easily transferred over a network. Uh -huh. so initially, I was thinking of having all of the puzzles on a server, and then when you first load up the game, you pull down any puzzles, and then 
maybe if I ever got to the point where I could create a level solver and level generator, then you could have daily puzzles that it pulls down from the network and stuff like that. I didn't get nice. that in, so eventually I moved all of the puzzles into like Unity's resources folder. Mm-hmm. But that was definitely a big boon for development, and it kept the size of the puzzles small, which yeah. I think is awesome because now that it's in the resources folder and it's part of the download, it's got that nice compact size. Right. Nice. Yep, so okay. It's all binary. Cool. Yeah, it's always fun like hearing how people develop, especially like I think most game developers don't really think a lot about tooling, but like clearly as I listen to the Coffee with Butterscotch podcast constantly yeah. and I hear you have a question on every other week. <laughs> like you I, listen to those guys. Yeah, I've only had a, like one or two questions on there. Maybe three. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I feel like I've heard your name quite a few times. but it's It's been more recent. I think that okay. might be why. It's yeah. that mental perception that you have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it feels like, I don't know, because you were recommending the Phoenix Project, too, uh, getting into oh, more yeah. like a DevOps approach to things. And it sounds like you've kind of baked some of that stuff into your process for building Bewilderbots, which is, I don't know, I, I think it's really, pretty cool. I haven't gotten into the DevOps just yet. I mean, I'm still not too far into the Phoenix project. I started it, I guess, a week or two ago. Okay. And I only get to listen to my audiobook like three days a week because of the fact that I can work from home two days a week. Right. Okay. So yeah, my audiobook consumption is a lot slower these days. I'm I think a couple of hours away from finishing it, but it's been a fantastic book. Yeah. It really does read like an IT thriller. Yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. I just started a couple of days ago. But Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know. What do you think so far? I, I well, I enjoy it because like I've I've been in similar type situations before in my profession. Because like the book starts off and literally <laughs> like chaos has unleashed on this company. Like everything oh, yeah. is going wrong. Um, everything so, is fine. <laughs> uh, I'm enjoying it just like being able to kind of witness it as like a an observer rather than someone who's participating in like an outage or something. Um, I do think it's, a, it's pretty contrived to, to make it so that like DevOps come in, comes in as like this solution for their big problems that are going on but i still like it uh i'm curious to see how how it goes by the end of the book and see what i learn about devops so yeah uh, i think at the very least it gets me a lot more interested in figuring out ways to work more efficiently right and i think that's kind of what i meant by that with uh with you focusing on tooling to you know up your productivity and stuff and because, um, wait, do you ride the bus or do, are you driving? Oh, I drive. Yeah, okay. public transportation is not great over here. Gotcha. I was I was thinking for some reason that you you were taking the bus and you're able to work on it like on your phone when you're oh, on no. the bus. That would be cool. <laughs> no, it's, it was more like lunch breaks and oh, okay, um, like before bed or when I wake up in the morning, yeah. stuff like that, where I just have a little bit of free time. Gotcha. Yeah, so nice. sometimes I had to force myself to do it, but no, the tooling helps so much. 
And I think the only reason I really did that was because when we made the jam version, going in to create a level, I think you had to go and manually set the coordinates for every single cell. And then you had to drag and drop the different mechanics onto it and link stuff up manually. And it was just, it's such a tedious process. Yeah. So any sort of iteration just be terrible it would feel awful <laughs> yeah yeah so i definitely wanted to make sure that i didn't have that issue with development because i didn't know how many puzzles i was going to make i didn't know how long it was going to take right um, we had the idea of a four to six month development cycle initially and obviously kind of blew right past that <laughs> year and a half later almost but yeah i mean it's coming out soon so that's that's good yeah it happens no, i think that's a huge accomplishment like even just finishing something and putting it up whether it's just itch.io or whatever it feels good especially if you've worked on something for so long so i'm happy to see you get it out and thank you it's honestly like the i don't play a lot of mobile games but the vibe i get like i think i talked a little bit about tents and trees um, it's another mm-hmm. puzzle game. Um, it's just like perfect for mobile. Having very simple mechanics, uh, I think you'll I think you'll end up doing really well on on the mobile side, especially with Touch Arcade talking about your game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I sure hope so. I yeah. really do. I hope that things go well around launch and that I get some reviews. Yeah, because I am taking a risk by going with the premium price. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm a little nervous about that, but I've tried to make a game that people are in a way asking for. It seems like people like puzzle games a lot on mobile. Mm -hmm. And with the fact that you can play it in portrait and landscape, you've got the one-touch controls um, or the one-handed controls that are really... I think they're simple enough to pick up now. It's still not the most intuitive thing in the world, but... I think that the tutorial is in a really good place now, and most people are able to pick it up quickly. Yeah. Which, that's really important, I think. Um, so I've got a lot in there that I think that people are going to like. No ads, no ad app purchases. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Right. <laughs> so do you have any, like, goals or something you want to achieve with your launch? like number of sales or like anything like that? Or are you just like happy to get it out? Yeah. So I have a couple ideas, I guess, based on most of the research that I've done is on the mobile end of sales, largely on Android because the Google play store actually shows you download statistics for other games. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of run a lot of comparisons and I think my goals are essentially, if I can sell 100 copies of the game per platform within the first month, I'd be pretty happy. Like, I'd be pretty ecstatic about that. Yeah. If, But if I could more realistically, or a more lofty goal, hit like 500 to 1,000 um, sales each on iOS and Android, and then like 250 to 500 um, between Steam and Itch, yeah. that would be... I think I think that's where I would be, one, absolutely just blown away. Mm-hmm. Um, it would mean 
that the game is doing really well. I consider I would consider that to be a huge success. And I don't know. It would just feel really good. Yeah. I have I have my hopes and dreams because of the sales that I see for certain other games and I, how I think that my game can compare to them. Like Causality is one of those that sold I think fifty thousand copies or so on Android alone, and it's two ninety nine and I know I at least like the feel of Wildabots more than Causality. Hmm. I hope that's not just bias. Might be, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that a thousand, even five thousand copies on Android, and then probably even more than that on iOS, just because of the nature of the platforms, seems like it could be a reasonable goal. It just depends on whether I get the visibility. Right. Yeah, I always thought like if I if I made a game and sold a thousand copies, like that's a thousand people playing my game. That's super yeah. cool. I yeah, don't think I even blind, have a thousand on itch yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely very nervous and anxious about the launch, but I'm also hopeful, especially because of that touch arcade article. And, um, I don't know if I mentioned it on game devs quest yet, but app Unwrapper is a YouTuber and they have a review site on YouTube. They have about 40,000 subscribers and they made a video on Bewilderbots the other day. Oh, wow. Um, That's cool. Yeah. They gave some pretty good feedback. We had some back and forth in the YouTube comments. Um, so I could kind of get more information. And so that kind of goes into where I've been working on this pre-launch patch to address some of those issues. Like, the guy wasn't really fond of the fact that when you have the moves at the end and you're able to see all the stats, the moves, the attempts, because there's no minimum moves, he feels like it's kind of pointless to have the moves there at all, hmm. which, I mean, is understandable. And he doesn't like the fact that it kind of seemed to give him this mindset where he didn't want to make any mistakes or turn in the wrong way at any time he did turn the wrong way. Because that increased his move counter, he would reset the level mm. entirely. Gotcha. And I, it just created this cycle that seemed very negative, And it seemed like it was a huge detriment to his experience. So as a result, I've disabled the stats on the level completion screen by default and moved it into the settings menu, that toggle. So you okay. can toggle it on, you can toggle it back off, but it's not going to be immediately there in your face when you finish the level. It's just going to be right. about completing it. Oh, yeah, I actually had a similar things. question. Like, I didn't, I wasn't sure because it seemed like the number of moves was much higher than what I thought a move was. Yeah, I, that was because uh, of the turns. The turns, yeah, that's kind of what I assumed. So maybe if you like broke it out into like moves and turns or something too. Well, actually, that was another change that I made. Um, oh, really? Because <laughs> I did these things yesterday. Now, the only time the move counter is incremented is when you move forward. I see. Cool. Which I think is going to be a lot better as well. Yeah. Because um, that's sort of your experiment phase is when you're rotating to see, like, which direction every robot's going in, you know? Yeah. I mean, to offer my perspective... Yeah. <laughs> I basically played the game for so long in a state where every time you entered a move, you anytime you swiped, uh-huh. um, the robot would turn and move forward at the same time. Oh. 
Yeah, so basically, instead of the whole swipe to turn and then tap to move forward, yeah. you would swipe up to move all of them forward, or you would um, swipe left, and all of them would make that left turn based on their direction, and all of them would then move forward as well. So you didn't have any real room to experiment with the turning. You had to actually go through and visualize all of it, which I think was way too difficult. And when the guy <laughs> suggested at the uh, Baltimore Game Dev meetup, he mentioned that whole idea of what if you only swipe to turn and then you tap to move. So it's a completely separate kind of mental thing. And that just blew my mind. I don't know why I never <laughs> thought about it. It's one of those things that you look back and you think it's so obvious. Right. It was a game changer. It really improved the experience. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Go ahead. So the last main thing that was suggested in that App and Rapper video that I'm really excited about, because I don't know why I just never added it. I thought maybe it's because I tried to do so before and there were complications, but the idea of an undo button, hmm. it's almost there. I've got it basically working for the first four chapters. I was working on it last night, which is, I guess, May 25th for anyone listening to this way in advance or way later down the road. Um, I've just got a couple weird little bugs with that right now that I'm hoping to fix tonight, and then I'm going to push out an update on all the platforms. So hopefully when he and other people write their reviews, they have that update and they're able to see that that was fixed and they write their reviews based on that new user experience. I hope that really improves the feel of the game. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he was he was definitely crying out for an undo button a number of times because he's like, oh no, I didn't mean to tap and they all just died. But <laughs> when, when, when they die, the level resets and your undo turn history is cleared. That's just... You can't really do much about that. But as long as you're not, I guess, doing too much else, it's it's going to be fine. You can undo it. Nice. Yeah, I imagine when you have like nine robots, you set them up all perfectly and then you, you mess up. You're like, oh, damn it. <laughs> or you accidentally tap instead of swipe or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's just going to be more forgiving. The game's already hard enough and the undo right. button's not gonna destroy it. Right. Some of those move sequences are insane, especially on the last level. When I was trying to test the end of game screen and make sure that everything looked right, trying to just go and make sure that or trying to go back and solve that level was brutal. It took me like two hours. And that was wow. with me writing down the solution as I went. So every time I would go and write stuff down and I would draw a line after a sequence every time I got a robot in there. That's crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah, that level was a pain, but it felt so good to get it at the end. Yeah, I bet. It's like the final boss. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that it is. So... It sounds like you've gotten some pretty decent like press coverage, at least for a pretty small uh, small name game and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. 
do you have any tips for people who are launching their first game for like in a marketing perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, I did a lot of research beforehand and I guess I didn't listen to it as well as I should have, but as soon as you have things looking decent, start, start sharing that, start getting that word out. Cause I started doing that way too late. I think even despite trying to make sure that I gave myself enough time because I mean, for example, I didn't expect to get an article that was just a simple, a news feature from touch arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. That was just like a huge thing for me. So I think that if I had kind of revealed more information about the game, showed it off earlier, talked to press more, then I might've gotten more news and I might've had that trickle out more. So just, I would suggest getting to work on that marketing earlier, make screenshots, make gifts. Gifts are preferable over screenshots as I've found out in many, many GGC talks and Twitter posts. <laughs> um, yeah. The gifts and condensing that into something exciting that people will see and it'll make them stop and think like, oh, I want to see more about this. That's right. definitely a huge thing. Um, it's tough, but just reach out to press. I mean, the worst thing that they can do is ignore it. So, I don't when know. S- I, sent, I sent out emails. Sorry, go oh, ahead. Okay. No, no, no. Keep going. Uh, I, I went and sent out the emails with the review copies of the game because I wanted to have them all out basically within two weeks or so of launch. So, I sent basically all of them out. I still have a couple I need to send out for PC. And it was like a day later that Touch Arcade made that news feature. And oh, wow. I mean, I jumped, I jumped out of the couch. I'm like, holy shit, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I scared my fiance who she was like, are you okay? What's wrong? <laughs> I'm like, nothing's wrong. Everything is fantastic. Everything is awesome. <laughs> nice. So I don't know. That was just a really exciting time. Just seeing that, little piece of news coverage and thinking, wow, people are seeing my game and thinking, well, this is interesting enough to at least cover. Like the idea that this is even coming out is potential news. Right. So I don't know. It got me more hopeful that I might get some good reviews or get some reviews from all the others like Pocket Gamer, AppSpy, all the other big mobile publications. I know they don't have as much reach because of how the mobile market is, but I mean, there's still a lot of people out there vying for premium games. Right. And I think that knowing your market and trying as hard as you can to make sure that you listen to what that market wants and you try to create an experience that's tailored to it, then that'll put you in a better position for potential success. Granted, definitely. I don't know if I'm successful. I don't. I <laughs> have no idea if I'm going to be. But I don't know. It feels good to be putting a game out there and just having something that's complete, getting that news feature. If that's all I got, I'd be pretty happy because that's more than nothing. Yeah, that's more than a lot of people. So, so did you uh, reach out when you say like email press? Did you email? Um, touch arcade and those other companies as well or did they just like randomly pick it up well i think that's the only way that they would have seen it is i sent out emails with the review copy of the game 
as yeah. well as a bunch of other stuff just about the game and the studio mm-hmm. and um, largely a lot of stuff based on recommendations. I'll probably post something in the GDQ resources. Heck yeah. Um, based on the list that I've compiled as I've been emailing stuff out, gathering contacts and stuff like that. It might help other people. Maybe. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's as why well I as yeah, in that Excel document, I have links to like each website, AppSpy and 148 Apps and that kind of network because I know they're all under, I guess, the same group. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some great tips about what kind of information you should put in there, like how quickly you should be getting to the point and how concise you should be. It was a huge help in getting that big thing together. I created something in a Google Doc and I tried to make sure it was fairly personalized to each um I guess publication. Mm-hmm. Especially like Game Zebo, they're like if you're if you're not gonna personalize things to us, then we're not gonna care. If you're just gonna send a PR <laughs> rep, if you're gonna be lazy, if you're not gonna take your time, then why would we take our time with you? Yeah. So I guess that's another big thing is look into every single publication that you are planning to reach out to and just really dig deep into them. Like with Gamesebo, I was going through, I was looking through tons and tons of their reviews and I noticed like one of the big things was in all of the con list almost. It was like, this game has no originality. Nothing is new, nothing stands out. It's just kind of the same old, same old. So I made sure to really hone in on that in the email that I sent them. And I'm hoping that maybe that'll help me get a review because I'm like, hey, my game is something that hasn't been seen before. Yeah. Nice. I think that's a really good tip. It's kind of like when you write your resume or your cover letter for a job application. Exactly. Kind of tweak it to uh, fit the company and fit the position. Yeah. Makes you stand out a little more. Exactly. Yeah, you want to show that I mean, you're taking your time and you're looking into them and you're not just, I guess, making one thing, sending it out to everyone and then just seeing what sticks. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But like you said, you never know what sticks unless you try too. So, um, yep. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. Uh, like with my work with craft computing, it it's almost like kind of we kind of do the opposite, right? Because we are the like press company. Uh, so like when we want hands on time with something, a lot of times, like I'll write emails out to, well, like, uh, we were trying to break into the indie game dev space for a while. And so like we went to PAX last year and I spent, I wrote probably like 200 emails to different game devs and stuff, trying to like schedule meetings with them and like, uh, get information about and actually like get press kits from game devs and stuff like that. And so it's like kind of almost like the opposite of like what you're doing. Um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I remember like my first email compared to my last email, you know, you figure <laughs> out real quick, uh, what starts working and what doesn't work and how to word things, uh, you know, to be more professional or to be, to be more assertive or to be more, whatever it might be. And then once you start emailing with these people too, you figure out what works for them specifically, like you were saying. So absolutely. I think, I think just getting out there and try and I think having some research, like you're saying is definitely a big help, but, um, getting out there and just trying, you literally have nothing to lose. 
Right. Yeah. Um, Everything to gain, <laughs> nothing to lose. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So yeah, no, it's all been a very interesting endeavor. Um, I'm hopeful. I am proud of what I've made, and I'm feeling pretty confident in it. But I just don't want to get overconfident or too hopeful about, I guess, how it's going to sell. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's definitely one of those tough lines to kind of ride. Yeah. Now, are you? Um, I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit, but it's like you launch a game for the first time, you don't really know what to expect. Do you have like a time frame for how long you want to spend on Bewilderbots even after it's out? Because I'm sure you're going to get like people asking for different changes or more levels or, you know, whatever it is. Um, Or are you, do you feel like you're putting it out there, you fix a couple bugs and then you want to move on to the next thing? I think that depends heavily on, I guess, how it does. Yeah. So I definitely have some additional ideas for different puzzle mechanics. So whether that's something that I can add in future updates, if the game like really blows up and sells well, maybe mm-hmm. that'll go in a future update, or maybe I'll make Bulldobots too. It just kind of depends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. As far as additional features or additional puzzles. I think there are a lot of puzzles in there. I mean, the estimated time to complete all of them, at least for me at this point, is 30 to 40 hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I mean, it could be even longer than that. It could take 50 hours for people to beat all the puzzles in the game. Yeah. Which is way longer than I anticipated. It feels like it might even be too long for a puzzle game. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But, I yeah, think it I mean, I'm going to be fixing... the premium price, though, too. Yeah. Absolutely. That's part of my hope. There's a lot of content in there. You're like, this puzzle is literally worth three cents. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's the thing, though. Like, if I were to buy a puzzle game and get invested in it, I don't want, you know, 30 puzzles and then be done with it. Like, I I would want to keep going as much as possible, even if I can't complete them all. I'm I'm the type of person that gets stuck in puzzle games, but I'd rather get yeah. stuck at puzzle, you know, 75 than get to a point where I've solved all of them and have nothing else to go on, you know? Right. Yeah. And I That's think 300 is such a high number that that wouldn't happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the game is tough, though. I think that's one thing that a lot of people might take issue with is just how hard the game can be and how much brain power it can take there's going to be people that think it's too easy and then there's going to be people that are mad at you for making a puzzle game for children (laughs) yeah you just can't you can't please them all i think exactly do i think to go for just like the hardcore puzzle people i think you you're okay well it's kind of i bought level head because it's 20 percent off uh this weekend Oh, and really? I, yeah, if you haven't picked it up, make sure to do it soon because it's 20% off. Yeah, I um, have like 150 hours in the game. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I remember you saying that. <laughs> that was uh, part of one of those long breaks that I kind of took from developing Pool of Bots. I was playing a lot of level head between yeah. like alpha and launch because I was part of that um, oh, the... group of early testers yeah. after the alpha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well... Like, I'm not a platform type of gamer. Like, I I mean, I 
played like Mario and Kirby a couple times growing up, but I was never like big into platformers. And I played it last night. And honestly, the first level, I was like, I couldn't figure out the like you throw your package down and jump off of it to like boost you up a little bit. And yep. I was like, God, this is so hard. Like level one. <laughs> um, but then I kind of got into a little bit of a groove and I beat like, I'm probably on like level 10 or something, but I don't know. I think it just, it depends on it. Like, yeah, they were talking about on the podcast, like some people are already like speed running it and stuff. And it's like, there's just a, a niche group of people who are going to be insanely good at your game, regardless of what it is. And then there's going to oh, yeah. be people like me who just like by default can't beat the first level. <laughs> Although yeah. your first level is yeah. pretty easy. <laughs> It is, but it still trumps yeah. a number of people. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Just because <laughs> initially they're trying to figure out what the controls are. And yeah. the controls are definitely one of the biggest grinding points with people. Because right. that's just kind of how the game has to be because of the mechanic. Because uh-huh. a lot of people want to be like, okay, well, I turn left. I want the robot to face left. Oh, I'm like, well, if, sure. if you do that, you are looking at a single robot right now. Chances are you are focusing on a single one, and unless all of them are facing the same direction, that yeah. would never work. Right. So I don't know. It's just one of those <laughs> things that I understand the gripes that people have. It's just one of those things that you have to take the time to learn, get used to, and eventually you'll realize that this is the only way this can work. Right. Yeah. But. Yeah, I don't know. Difficulty is one of those very interesting things. Like, I wasn't really a platformer person. Uh, the last one that I played was Donkey Kong Country 2 on the Game Boy Advance, I think. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> prior to playing Celeste. Oh, okay. And Celeste just blew me away. I didn't realize I was into platformers, or at least really tough platformers that make you want to throw your Switch across the room. Um, <laughs> but... I just had a great experience with it. Everything about that game was amazing and felt great. So um, Level Head got me kind of excited as a result. And I've been that guy who's known for liking the really, really tough stuff in there. And I make the package of panic levels, which was where basically everything is spikes and your only platform is your package. Hmm. So Wait. It's, a, it's brutal. Did you say you made those ones? I've I've made a number of the package jump panic levels. Yeah. Okay. So is if that... you go in, if you go into, I'll, I'll I'll actually send you the share codes. Okay. Um, for because I played of one them. of those yesterday. I, I didn't know it was like on the main storyline though, so maybe that was like, did they build uh, one yep. first and now everyone's doing sort of spinoffs, or was that actually you? So that was like the package jump test level that uh-huh. Sam did, and then in the creator. I guess during, um, I guess an alpha or something like that, um, Seth ended up creating the first package jump panic level. Okay. And that was a created level. And then I guess people really got into it. He made a super package jump panic, and then another <laughs> B Scotch guy, um, Mike, made short package jump panic. And it kind of exploded, and I ended up becoming the guy who makes far too many package jump panic levels apparently (laughs) my one is uh the one i'm really proud of is called nightmare package jump panic and it's just brutal (laughs) 
Nice. So. Yeah, I'm excited to play some more of it. See where it takes me. And God, the intro video to that was freaking hilarious. Oh yeah, no, it's great. I, I love that... the song at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for anyone who hasn't picked up Level Ahead, do so if only to open up the game and just go through the little intro scene that they've set up. It's yeah. fantastic. Well, but being then like play a the big... rest of the game. Yeah. Being a fan of their podcast too, it just feels like I felt the same way about Crashlands. It's like I've listened to these guys talk for hundreds of hours and I like don't really have a context for some of the stuff they're talking about. And now you kind of get it. You're like, oh, this is what this is all about. This is cool. You know, it just like gives you a peek behind the curtain a little bit. So, yeah, it's so funny how it all kind of came about with the coffee with butterscotch thing for me because. Uh, my fiance and I discovered Crashlands when I think I was a sophomore in college, mm-hmm. and we discovered it in our on our iPads. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So I didn't know anything about them, and I just we just kind of played the game, and that was it. And then years later, I heard the reference. I think probably in GDQ, and I checked it out, and I was like, "Oh, these guys make Crashlands. That's awesome." And I got yeah. really into the podcast. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just, it's a small world. It is. That's what I love about, like, the small indie game that I've seen. Yeah. A lot of it's yeah. interconnected. People know each other. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus, those dudes are just cool. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they're hilarious, and they really have a lot of great insight. I agree. Yeah. Uh, well, we've been talking about Bewilderbots for like 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, is there, I, yeah, I mean, I'm I, always I curious. This... Go what? ahead. Good. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I have this thing where I could probably talk about it all day, which is maybe a problem. <laughs> I think that's just a testament to how much work you've put into it and how much content is in it. And yeah, uh, I think that's a great thing, man. That's cool. Yeah, probably also all the anxiety I have about the launch. <laughs> I'm just, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to see how it does. Yeah, man. Well, if there's anything we can do besides having you on, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. We like, we like supporting our community, get the word yeah. out, give you Thanks. some reviews. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, like, so many people in the Game Devs Quest Discord ended up liking and retweeting that Touch Arcade article, which was... It was just really awesome to see because it's such a supportive community. Yeah. And I feel like that's helped so much throughout development as well. Just because you have that really small, really tight-knit group that you can share progress with or share frustrations with and kind of all rally together over something like a release. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. And that's what's really fun is the longer it goes on, the more people in the Discord are going to have a release. And so the more people there are to help uh, other people who are just joining up and things like that, it's really exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited to see some other people get some like full games out there. It's going to be awesome. I mean, I seeing Ote put out that demo that he's been working on for literally ages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was it, it was just awesome to see, and it was really cool hearing all of his insights on the podcast too. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, he's got an interesting. Well, both of you have really interesting t- games. Like, I just they're so unique. 
Yeah, I still need to check out his demo. I've just been so busy. Dude, same here. That's what the last two episodes have been about. Like, oh shit, we can't get an episode out because we're so busy. Let's just throw yeah. together like 20 uh, minutes of us telling everyone we're busy. <laughs> I, I think yeah. that we could have just eat, like bit the bullet and just missed our first episode ever, but... It feels wrong, though. It does. That's I the thing I, don't I keep coming down to, too. I'm like, we can't do that. It's kind of like if you've literally worked out, like, five days a week for, like, two years or something, and then you could miss one week. It just feels wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You get that streak going, and you're like, well, I can't stop now. Yeah. yeah. I have exactly. the streak. Right. Part of me fears, like, if we miss a week, it's just going to completely stop. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're just never going to come back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. That would be weird. Yeah. That would be really be weird. Hilarious. That would happen to us, though. I know. I feel like, well, that's what happened with me in streaming. I literally was like, I'm burned out. I'm going to take a week off. And then I literally have not gone back to it. So. Well, that's what happened with the book club, too. That, too. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that like, track record's not looking great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we may as well just yeah. Even if it's just like ten minutes of us on repeat, being like, "I'm busy." How about you, Taylor? I'm busy too. How about you? Yeah, I'm busy, Taylor. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I'm busy. (laughs) Yeah, it's like well, I mean, you guys are both in this huge transitionary period too. Like Taylor, you just bought a house and started your first app dev job, which is incredible. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, life is just wild. And it's funny it too because we started the podcast at a time where we had like where we both had relative stability, and that like did not last long. <laughs> well, I, well yeah. I don't know. It's weird though because like we're synced up enough to to be able to carry it on for two years. Now it's just like our syncing has been the problem. <laughs> well, and I think part you of it, yeah, true. That's a good point. <laughs> I think uh, part of that too is that well, a we've just been like working together on stuff for so long b we're not um you know there's a type of person where you'd have to like really twist their arm to get them to sit down and do this every week we're not those people you know we're both have the same goals with it and everything like that so i think it definitely helps well i don't i I feel like yeah go go ahead ahead. oh no i was just i was just gonna say that i think it goes to show just how committed you both are because i mean if you care enough about something it's not going to be that hard to make an hour in a week to actually sit down and do it like it's not that hard everyone has an hour in their week right they can set aside well and i mean a lot of it too is just the fact that i mean honestly most of our content is just like us bullshitting so like, yeah, it's a, it's like it's devolved a little bit. Yeah, if we had to do homework each week and spend time like researching different things, that might be one thing. Like there are some quality game dev podcasts. Like, uh, I mean, not to mention like Coffee with Butterscotch, but somewhere they like the whole episode is about dissecting a particular aspect of game development yeah. and like really putting an academic perspective on it. And for us, I just feel like at this point, if we don't come up with an episode in a week, we've pretty much let down the community, you know, (laughs) you know, and like maybe it's maybe it's not super high quality, but it's like that consistency and just, I don't know, having an update for everyone and and maybe just the fact that we have an update every week makes people like think about game dev like, oh, yeah. 
oh yeah, like these guys are, even though they're not really actually doing any game dev, like it reminds me that I want to get back to game dev. And then right. like someone comes up and makes a cool game. I don't know. I mean, That's... there was that one episode, I think for, on Coffee with Butterscotch, where they talked about the one time that they didn't release a podcast for a week and they lost like 50% of their listeners. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <geez>. true. <laughs> I know. There's some motivation right there. Yeah, that, because you're, it's like, you. how dare you disrupt my schedule and my week? Because I am <laughs> listening to this podcast at this time every single day. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I'm the same way. It's like, I for a long time, I had podcasts that released it Monday through Friday for my work week, and I would listen to each one of those every day. It would be the first thing I put on when I got into my car, um, things like that, you know? Um, yeah. And when it's missing, oh, you miss it. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we've bent that, like, we're always releasing this day uh, rule, you know, yeah, multiple we have, times. Yeah, we have muffed it, but at least we still have something every week, so yeah, it's hard to say, but yeah, we'll get there. We'll get back, but... Yeah, I have full faith you will. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You I, it just takes time. It's like I, like we were saying, you guys are both insanely busy. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that calms down. I've been, I don't know, especially hearing about your game recently. Like that's been the thing that's been like, yeah, dude, I really want to freaking release a game. It's been like, really inspirational. Yeah. And well, it's been so you. far like since I first had that dream, you know, and I've already like been going for so long. I just need to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think Ludum Dare 44 helped me push towards my launch in the most unexpected way because like I was like okay I'm gonna go ahead and do this jam this weekend I'm gonna get that motivation and I'm gonna push out my game what actually happened was we had friends coming and visiting during that jam weekend um me and a friend like we talked about an idea which was that like organ harvesting deck building game malpractice that oh yeah yeah like I spent probably the next week or so on it off and on like in the very short little stints of time that i had and i'm like wait a second why am i doing this why am i working on this prototype so long i need to release my game and that just kind of <laughs> sent me into like full rollout mode yeah <laughs> i was just like what am i doing yeah stop distracting yourself <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think that that i was like okay i can start working on this prototype again and finish the prototype after Bewilderbots is ready and out. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, I feel like that makes sense to, like, you're, like, excited about this new idea. You're like, well, shoot, I got to release this game before I can work on this game that I'm actually really excited about now. <laughs> but that's the thing. I'm always excited about new ideas. I, I have know. A, I've, I have a huge Google Drive just full of ideas that I would love to make someday. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where I have so many things I want to do and want to make, and it's just about figuring out how to prioritize them. Right? God, that's life, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm I'm starting to like contemplate, you know, my existence. Like, oh, this is all finite. I have to like do things that I actually want to do instead of just like maintain the status quo until I'm like ninety. Did you, you know? just <laughs> find out that it was finite, Taylor? Maybe, dude. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he, he age. saw he saw all that cash disappear yeah and realized dude, how right? finite that was with the down payment 
I'm like, all this time I've been saving money and thinking that it meant something, but really it's just numbers ticking up and down. Yeah, your money is a analogy to your life. Yeah, money no, is imaginary. I, I know what that feels like, though. That down payment hurt. Yeah. Yeah, you just bought... Did you buy a house? Or you uh, bought a condo? Yeah. yeah, we bought a condo in December. Nice. Yeah, and how's that going? Oh, it's fantastic. It's yeah. so nice having a home of your own, and the fact that it's all brand new means there's not yeah. too much to maintain, which is mm-hmm. great. Um, so no one's because, lived in that building before? Yeah, it was a completely brand new development. Oh, over that's here. awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. a really early development too. Like this was the first of these buildings that went up. So each of the buildings couldn't really be customized, which meant uh-huh. they were a little bit cheaper, which was gotcha. great. And our place is it's gorgeous. Nice. Absolutely gorgeous. So I'm excited. appreciate pretty well. Especially when they're going to be adding a huge town center over here yeah with a grocery <laughs> store like right across the street almost nice um as well as retail some probably nice restaurants because this is considered a pretty wealthy community like the average household income is 130 140,000 miles um, oh my god hundred forty thousand dollars within like a mile oh dang so that's well yeah. guys over there I'm just kidding. Yeah. That was a bad joke. <laughs> Dude, Eugene's uh, median income is like 42K or something. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's just a result of, I mean, Maryland and Frederick specifically is a huge DC commuter area or just yeah. a huge commuter area in general. Yeah. Because I commute mm-hmm. to Baltimore. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's I, a lot of high income jobs around here. You, uh,. Because you graduated, like, last year from college? Yeah, that's And correct. so you you just got your first dev job recently, too, right? Yeah, I was a co-op at the company UPS, um, their information systems side of stuff. Okay. And I ended up getting a full-time position with a different team in August. Nice. So, yeah, it's been a while now, actually. Are you liking that? Yeah, it's really nice. I just uh, I have a lot to learn, which is a good <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, that's how I feel too. If I yeah. remember, you're using Java though, right? Yep. <laughs> how do you like it? it? It's frustrating at times, especially yeah. compared to C Sharp, just because I feel like the build processes are not quite as nice. Yeah. Like it can be it can be frustrating when you have to like make a build and you have to log into a remote Linux server, transfer that build over there, restart a server over there, start it back up, and then start to run your tests. Yeah. Like it can just that process can be a little bit tedious, but overall, I mean, C sharp C sharp is very similar to Java. Yeah. So I was fine. actually kind of surprised, like, because back in 2008 when I was an undergrad, uh, <laughs> I they were teaching Java in school. And that was like one of really one of the first languages I ever learned. And then I yeah. didn't use it until just recently when I started reading the design pa- or head first design patterns book and everything they do there is written in Java. And it's like practically identical to C sharp in some cases, like other than using words like extends instead of a colon, like it's pretty much yeah very similar syntax. So yeah, it's I think- incredibly similar. 
yeah to some extent people just like to hate on java just like i do (laughs) (laughs) yeah i do i do like c sharp better overall i do too yeah but it is what it is yeah (laughs) well uh we're about to hit an hour here um it's been a blast talking to you yeah do you have um anything else like we didn't really get into your backstory of how you got into game development but i feel like it's just you were passionate about making games and so you were about playing games and probably then you went into making them but well i, I mean know. that can be kind of interesting too i guess yeah because i mean somewhat i yeah. mean i i think that it was like fifth grade when i realized i wanted to make games because uh-huh. i mean even as a kid i was like super into pokemon and stuff like that heck yeah, yeah. i was a huge pokemon kid just because of the age that I am I guess probably yeah um so I was also like getting really into music so like my dream when I was like five years old I didn't know what an indie dev was necessarily but my dream was basically to be an indie dev where I could make like my own games and music and stuff like that nice so I don't know it was like I toyed with Unreal Engine back in middle or high school I started teaching myself Java for some reason because i <laughs> with unreal i was like okay this was udk i need to learn how to code apparently so i for some reason researched what programming le- language is best to learn rather than i guess what does udk use right so i so i learned java instead of unreal's language and i just did that until i kind of stopped and got back into coding <laughs> in college Gotcha. So I don't know. It's been a very like back and forth kind of thing. And then in college, I mean, my first term project was kind of a game. And then I tried like messing with libgdx, and I think That's... that I got too wrapped up in little things like screen scaling. I like focused so much on uh... screen scaling before I even like put any lines of code down. Because I'm like, <laughs> how do you do this? How do you make sure that everything scales on every single like android device because i was thinking okay mobile's kind of where it's at these days yeah but i don't know i i got into my head a lot i always do so the game jams i think are what really helped me nice when did you like um start really kind of getting serious into game dev um so let's see i guess at one point i think two years or so ago I discovered the cat like coding tutorials I think I think I discovered those before I did my first game jam and so I was working on learning the hex grid kind of thing because I had just been playing a game called shardbound which was like an early access um, tactics card game which was really cool Um, but so I worked on that, and I was getting to work on my own game, just kind of learning things. I think after, shortly after that, I started getting into the jam, um, where I did LD40, I'm pretty sure. And we made like this, I think it was a game where you were a mage, and the theme was the more you have, the worse it is. So oh, I remember you, that thing. you would go around and you would you collected gems, and basically as you collected gems and you filled your bag, like you would get heavier, so you would like you couldn't jump as high and you could your <laughs> move, 
your movability was terrible. But every time you got hit by someone else, you would drop a gem. So your goal was to, at the end of like a minute, have the most gems. And I did gotcha. that with the Baltimore Indie Game Dev Meetup group. Okay. So that really helped kind of get things rolling. I think that the game gems were a huge inspiration. Nice. Yeah, yeah I feel but... like game gems like really make especially a beginner kind of feel the power of game dev you know for sure and then you just sort of get Mm -hmm. addicted (laughs) yeah because like i had the idea for a game like so back in freshman year of college um my fiance was going to a different college and i would end up kind of commuting back and forth during the second semester um it was like a 40 minute drive and i was just going back and forth almost every day so I got an idea for a game and I started just voicing it out in voice memos and just walking through the design. I still have this giant like 20-page design document um, and I want to make this game one day. It's evolved so much over the years, but I mean, that because I was freshman year, it took me maybe almost three years before I actually started doing game dev. Mm-hmm. And I think it was all because of the game jams. It really enables it. See, Rat, we gotta do OMG Jam six. Yeah, why we? Yeah, keep... I still, I still need to do an OMG Jam. I don't gotta know why we keep putting it off. Uh, yeah, you should make it I... a weekend where I can actually participate. Right? Okay, we'll check with you beforehand. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell, Sounds you great. know what? Why don't you just schedule it for us? Yeah, we'll let you run it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that's funny. Yeah. I could maybe do, I could maybe be down for that. Community manager. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm in the Discord enough. Yeah, I know, yeah. dude. You practically already are. So <laughs> it's just because I I'm so into the game dev stuff. I don't know why. I just I love it so much. Well, I'm glad because, like, typically, actually, you and Gamer lately have been the ones like keeping us moving. So. Yeah, Gamer's been... doing a lot of Flutter stuff, which is very cool. Yeah, he's he's always working on cool stuff. It's not always game dev, but it's always interesting. Yeah. So He's got me really wanting to check out Flutter because of that yeah. app idea that I have. Yeah. With Dart, right? Dart yeah. language? Yeah, Dart is what Flutter uses, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, man. All right, well, we better wrap this up before we get going on another rabbit hole. Yeah, I'd say, I'd <laughs> oh, say yeah. it's probably Probably. Um, um, do you have any links and stuff you want us to share? I definitely want to um, do some links for your game, but also that app unwrapper video so people can check out the review. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I guess one of the best things that you can do is probably follow me and my Game Dev Studio, JDS Games, on Twitter. So my handle on Twitter is Joe Psycholic, which is all one word, J-O-E-S-Y-C-A-L-I-K. And then Jadeus Games is J-A-D-E-U-S, Games. And that's just all one word. And then, honestly, in order to find a lot of stuff, like the App Unwrapper video, you can just search Bewilderbots on YouTube, and only two videos come up. It's that one and my trailer. That might change by the time people actually go and look into it because who knows maybe some other people will make videos on it yeah but that's gonna be the best way to find them i think cool nice yeah i'll find those okay. links and i'll link them in the show notes and uh 
all that. Yeah, I'll, I can send them over to you. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, man. And uh, it goes without saying, but uh, you're welcome back on the show anytime. If you want to come back on, you know, maybe in a month or something like that to break down your release and uh, share some details with that if you'd like, you're more than welcome to. Um, sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Thanks. Our casa yeah, thanks. Es su casa or something. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the reminder, too, because like. Like we said, we've been super busy, so it's it's always awesome having a guest on because it like we have the content through the guest, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Outsourcing your content, I see. How it That's is. right. Plus, yeah. I just love talking to people about the games that they're making, and your game yeah. looks so unique and so badass. Thank um, you. I'm excited to get my hands on it. So, yeah, you got to pick Thanks. it up, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna get it on your Pixel, Rhett. Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone buy Bewilderbots in a couple yeah. weeks. June 4th, please. <laughs> no, no, on, on Steam, it's going to be $14.99, same on Itch, and then um, on mobile, it's $3.99. So I I know a lot of people are probably going to be buying it on mobile um, just because puzzle games, it's what a lot of people like. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. It feels good on mobile, so. Yeah, I'm really happy with how, with how it's turned out. Mobile is how I play it most of the time. And yeah. I don't know. Controller support might work. I still need somebody <laughs> to test that. Um, but it works on PC. Sweet. Nice. <laughs> cool, man. Well, uh, Sweet. yeah, we're going to be watching your release closely and figuring out what we can learn from it. So uh, hopefully everybody listening in does the same and go check out Bewilderbots on, on Steam or Itch or mobile, I guess, if you want to be that guy. Um, and uh, if you guys want to find any of the links to like the Discord and stuff that we're talking about, uh, you can pretty much find everything over at GameDevsQuest.com. Uh, I ain't gonna belt out all the links uh, today because I don't feel like it. Um, yep. But yeah, I think that does it for this uh, this week's episode of Game Devs Quest. We thank you all for listening. Go check out <coughs> um, the Wildebots. Go uh, follow uh, Jadius Games on Twitter and. Uh, We'll catch you guys all next week. Yep. Cute thanks again. Thanks for Alex. having me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Have a good week, it was, y'all. It was a good time. Bye. Bye.